Welcome back to Who's Your Band? Uh, today, today, uh, my co-host Sean Morton is doing double duty. Not only is he co-hosting, he is also the producer of today's show. He's yes, doing our the tech work. producer flat left us today because he actually has like real work and he's not helping us produce our podcast today, which really pisses me off. But you know what? Hey, it's a good thing I have two Macs. I can, I can produce, I can host, I can do it all. I just don't have to spill and shit on my, we, on my laptop this week. That's the only thing I have to focus don't on. do that. I, I, I've never seen you move that quick, but let, let, we'll, we could talk about that another time because I'm excited for today. I really am. Um, we have a great new band uh, to introduce everybody. Um, these guys are made up of, of a bunch of different bands we'll talk about during the interview, but it's my pleasure to welcome in Sons of Silver. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, how are you? Why don't you guys uh, introduce yourselves? Rena. Oh, Rena. Rena Kabler, our keyboardist and engineer. Hi. I'm Peter Argeropoulos, lead singer, guitarist. Kevin Holland, guitar. I'm Curry Bass. Babe, cruising drums. Very cool. So you guys, you know, um, you came together around 2016, right? Yeah. My, my time about right yeah. there? Yeah, yeah we, I think it sounds right. We started out as a, a different band, I guess. Okay, and you're all from basically different successful bands. How did you all meet, though? How did you know each other going in, and you just kind of like you know it just kind of came together organically, or was you know how how did the, how did this collaboration come about? Well, it, it I mean Adam would be the common thread, I think it's fair to say, and it started because uh, Adam and I worked together. You know, we've been working together for a number of years now. We had our own band, a band called Last December, going back. In the, a number of years and uh that band was uh, had its had its life and its life ended and we continued working together and in the meantime adam and uh, you know and i stayed close doing lots of things as i was saying and i started i started playing uh, some you know, i was i was producing and i started writing my own songs on the side and started playing them out i dragged breen along to play some of the songs with me and we were kind of bored doing the acoustic duet ish thing and uh, I called up Adam. I said, hey, Adam, can you, you want to play some shows together? Can you help us put a band together? Adam called Dave and, uh, and, and Dave brought in Kevin. And it was basically as simple as that. But again, it was backing up me as a solo act. And that name was Pete R.G. And it was, it was a singer-songwriter vibe, Americana-ish, indie rock-ish. We were fortunate in that we were able to go on the road right away and spend, you know, 50, 60, 70 dates a year on the road in North America primarily, but also a bit in Europe. Were you going, were you going out as a headlining act or were you going out as a support act? Uh, we, were, oh. we were headlining at clubs, small clubs, and then we were also going out and support. For instance, we supported Candlebox, Dave, Dave and, and uh, Adam's, you know, uh, other band and, uh, and, and a couple other uh featured slots as well so but it was primarily club dates around around the u.s a lot of driving in the van crisscrossing the country mm. and uh, likewise in europe and uh during that time we we really uh you know we always from the very beginning we had a natural chemistry all of us did uh, personally and 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 the music as well and that grew tighter and tighter and as things went on instead of me bringing the songs we just started writing songs together and once that happened the sound changed became a rock and roll band and became time for a name change. And let's talk a little bit about the music. Uh, let's talk about Doomsday Noises, okay? Uh, the EP. First, 
it's written before the pandemic. Yeah. Okay. But the but the name Doomsday Noises. Did you guys know something was coming before yeah. you even put yeah. this out? I, we're we're actually we're we're all prophets uh, on the side. <laughs> you just, you know, Google us. Any of our names, you'll see profit next to it. Okay, <laughs> well, it's also so from living in it's also from living in LA too. What was you know, that? Living in LA, you never know when that next big earthquake is going to come. So you're always oh, kind of living on the edge out there coming. anyway. Oh, I can. But you know it's what? definitely coming. <laughs> on on the album, uh, two songs really stand out, and not just to me. I mean, like I said uh, bef- before we went on. Um, I, I listened to it with a bunch of different people, uh, different age groups too. People my age, I'm 27, by the way. Um, uh, my, my son's age, you know, is 19 years old. And the two songs that people really seem to kind of like gravitate to off of that uh, EP is World on Fire. And definitely everyone loves uh, Read Them Their Rights. When, when you guys are doing your live shows and you're, you're doing your headlining uh, gigs, what audience is coming out? Are you getting audiences from Candlebox and Pearl Jam, the bands you've been in, or are you starting to get uh, audience out from the EP itself? Because I think this this music has absolute crossover appeal among demographics. We know um, we released the EP this year, so we actually haven't been able to officially tour the, the EP. So that's going to be a new experience for us come hopefully next year. And we'll, we'll be able to see that. And I think we're all really excited to see, you know, who is going to come out. But before the pandemic last year, um, we had been playing World on Fire and a little bit of Deep Division Read and Redem. Yeah, we played those. And, uh, and, you know, that was a lot of fun to play those before we recorded them. But at that time, it was kind of a crossover. We would definitely have um, fans and friends that we've we've gotten from the Candlebox world and from our other tours with other bands and then from all the club gigs. So it's been, a, like you said, a combination that's bringing from all of those. You know, this is one thing that I've noticed too. You know, Jeff and I working stand-up, it's a little different, but we were trying to work out our own material. We're trying to put out, you know, a new hour's worth that we go, maybe we can, you know, shop to Netflix, shop to Showtime. And it's so frustrating because we're basically at a standstill. So you're actually the first guest that we've had that is putting out material during the pandemic. So, I mean, I don't you, do you feel like you got slighted a little bit? Like putting out the EP, like you're ready, to, you're ready to just get the ball rolling and get out there. And it's just like, here's the music, because you know we're in a very different time this now, you know, these days. Because you have to go out and support the support the music. It's not going to take off on its own. You're going to be getting a lot more fan base being on the road. Do you feel like that's like a little disappointing putting out the EP before the during the pandemic? Um, you guys want me to take that one? Yeah. Uh, you know, I think if you had asked, asked us ahead of time, yes, we would have absolutely have said disappointing, uh, because you, you have touring plans, you have, uh, radio station touring plans, you know, just general touring plans and then radio station touring, you have other promotional, uh, things that you plan to do, but it, as it turns out, it's, it's been to our benefit. And I, 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 I say that uh, reluctantly because it sounds cruel. Sounds uh, as if you know we haven't been uh, touched by by uh, the, the pain of all of this in, 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 in its many forms. But but it, it's it's been to our benefit. It's been to our benefit in the sense that um, there there are people have been home more. 
people have been having more time to explore outside their normal sort of, let's say, music scape. Uh, and likewise, uh, you know, with regards to radio, terrestrial radio, which we, we our first single, Read Him the Rights, did really well out, and, and our second single, um, uh, what's your second single? Deep Division. Mm. Mm, maybe maybe something did happen to me. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, second single, Deep Division, just, was just released uh, a week ago, and it's doing. It's off to a really good start. It'll, it'll beat Read Him the Rights. In fact, it looks like. So, it, what happens with terrestrial radio because there there weren't artists. Uh, some, especially major artists releasing as much stuff, I uh, created a bit of a window. So we all knew, we already knew we were probably going to do pretty well at radio. It's kind of our music's kind of geared towards rock radio, but but definitely uh, it opened doors that were a little easier than it would have been. So those things have been good for us, and it's given us time to you know uh, cultivate our social media outlets more. So in our position, it's actually been good. So when we go back out in the road next year, hopefully, if everyone settles down, everything settles down, um, we'll, uh, we'll be in a much better position than we would have been six months ago, let's say. That's a good Man. point. Yeah, that's a good point you make about people staying home more and being able to discover new music, you know. Um, but you also mentioned radio play. Uh, this is something that we've discussed on the show before with other bands and, and artists, is where are rock bands, especially new rock bands, being able to get played? Because in New York City, there is no market like for a new band to be heard on. Maybe you got to find something on a, on a satellite radio. Right. But I mean, terrestrial radio, I mean, here it's like all like top 40 and, and hip hop and there's very, very little rock outlets. So where are you guys getting played? Uh, around the country. There's still a lot of rock stations left uh, everywhere from, you know, we're getting a lot of spins in Vegas, Chicago, uh, up and down the West Coast, the Northeast. We actually there's stations throughout the Northeast that are spinning us. I just did a, an interview last week. So I think there are fewer stations, maybe per market, maybe not as as much, let's say, in New York City itself. But there are still a lot of uh, um, rock stations. There are big rock stations in in the urban markets throughout the South, for instance, Florida, Texas. Or you have uh, Long Island, the Shark. Yeah, yeah. So, so, uh, so uh, you know, it, there there aren't as many, but there also aren't as many new rock acts right now. Uh, right. So when we're you know, each station is, as far as we understand, still a lots of a fair amount of time for new acts. You know, splicing them in, so to speak, with with the the, uh, the classic rock acts. And I don't mean classic rocks as of just the sixties and seventies. Could be the nineties. Could be the early two thousands. Those those stations are still looking for new acts, and and we, you know, fortunately happen to be one that's high up on their radar right now. So it's um, you know, it's it's not where the trend is right now but but it's still very strong and, and it appears that that's there is a trending towards guitar music towards rock music right now and and, and we hope to be at the forefront of that does it bother yeah. you does it bother you like that you had to say classic rock and that it was music from the 90s and the 2000s no no i mean hey you know that stuff is great music i mean look i take it as an honor that you know we're sitting there getting you know, we're going head to head with the Stones and the Beatles, Zeppelin, Radiohead, uh, you know, and and the likes. Th those are the bands that people are like, we want those guys playing fans and stations saying we want those guys, Sons of Silver, being played right with those acts. And it's holding up. We're not just in and out within a couple of weeks. We're on the charts for, you know, six, eight, ten 
10 weeks. It's, it's pretty, pretty amazing for us. I, rem- I remember being at a, a club in Montreal called Fufu and Electrique and music comes on. And there was a, a young kid about 17 years old and he started playing Avenged Sevenfold. And with the oh, look yeah. of disgust, he goes, ugh, this is classic rock night, apparently. <laughs> and he almost didn't make it out of that place alive. <laughs> Wait, he did make it out alive? He almost didn't. He almost but, didn't. He yeah. sort of looked on disgust on my face and he kind of moved away a little bit, much to, uh, right. much to his benefit. It is pretty interesting, like having even 90s music on all these stations, you know. It's, it's so strange. The earliest is about 30 years old now. Yeah, yeah, it, it's, it's a trip. You know, the weird thing is just music in general these days because there's so many sources to listen to music and find music. It, it's, it's gone away, like we're talking about radio, but radio isn't the end-all be-all anymore like it was, you know, back in the classic rock days, right? Where you only found out about things there or maybe a magazine. It's all over the internet. And so the audiences are fragmented now. You know, the the rock fans still find ways to find rock or whatever genre you're looking for. Just because, especially in the big cities, the markets are dominated by, they look at some sort of, you know, computer print. What's the hottest demographic? Oh, it's hip-hop. Well, we're all going hip-hop. So, you know, they push these people out. So, Fans of other kinds of music, they don't go away. They just find other sources. So people are finding us and other bands, you know, in, in new ways. It's a great thing because like whenever I'm on the road too, and like, again, we're in a bigger market here in New York and New Jersey. So if I go up to say Buffalo for work, they get tremendous rock radio coming in from yeah, Toronto, that's right. you know, uh-huh. and every time that I go up there, I come back with like seven or eight new bands that I have never heard of before. Right. My Shazam is going off constantly because every song I hear, like this is fantastic, cool. and I'm, I'm getting all that. So yeah, I do. I do agree. Like I don't. I don't think rock radio is dead. I just think it's it's tucked away in smaller markets. But the smaller markets are the ones that are going to come out to your shows too. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's it's still very live. And also, we got to remember that the touring market that doesn't exist at the moment, but will exist someday in the future be it a month from now or a decade or somewhere in between. <laughs> I hope you sense the sarcasm here. Uh, oh, yeah. it, it, uh, it, that is, you know, rock music is still the driving force there. As much Absolutely. as we talk about, you know, other, other uh, genres, that, that's, you know, that's, a, that's the bread and butter for rock music. Now, within the workings of the band, I got a question here. Why is it that Dave is the one that has to go out to sidecar to pick up the donuts and the coffee. <laughs> he has the <laughs> room going around. Hands down, if you saw the man dress, his glasses, his whole style, by far the best taste. To, to, second to Brina, I should say. Oh. Fastest walker, yeah. too. Yeah. Now, when, oh, now, when Dave Fast goes out, walker. does he also pay? Yeah. No. You know... He, he turns. <laughs> <laughs> It is pretty remarkable having so close to the studio. Have you guys ever been to Sidecar? No. 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 Wait, it's worth a plane trip. Swear to God, it's worth a plane trip. I spend a lot lot of time in LA, but I have like certain spots where I could explore and really do myself some justice, but there's like five places that I go to and that's it. So I go to El Compadre, uh, the Mexican place on Sunset. I go to the Rainbow. Obviously, I hang out there every, every day. Um, the Saddle Ranch. Uh, then I go to uh, the Roger Room. I don't know if you guys have ever been there. No, uh, I don't know that one. So it's like this little, I, I think it's on La Cienega, if I'm not mistaken, but it's like this old 50s style 
like swingers bar from the movie where like the guys wear the, the bartenders wear like, you know, the, the suspenders and they're mixologists. They're not bartenders. So right. like you get in the, you get in the drinks with like the really big, stupid, obnoxious circular ice cubes and it's all dimly lit. So yeah. I should really branch out more when I go out there. But like I said, I'm a creature habit. I think one goes to all the other great places. I just go to Pink's. Pink's. Oh my God, Pink's. So in other words, you you you. Thank God you didn't live close. Otherwise, you'd probably be dead by now. Yes. And the other the other place where I had I actually had an emotional experience was Cantor's Deli. Oh, so when, I go to, when I go to Cantor's and I walk in, and I see the Guns N' Roses booth in the far back, and like the picture of them like sitting around the booth. I, I literally broke down in tears the first time I was in there. I was like, "This is the greatest place I've ever been to." <laughs> That's Sean's band. He, That's he's a big yeah. Guns N' Roses. Didn't you run into somebody from Guns N' Roses there? No, I ran into Mark Cantor, who was Slash's best friend, and he was selling pictures inside Cantor's Deli of like all these original, like Guns N' Roses first show. He has all these pictures and like a book with all the pictures. And I'm like, I'm talking to him for like 40 minutes. I'm like, this is the greatest thing ever. And like, I'm trying to get to the point where I'm saying to him slightly, I think he could put Slash on the phone. And like, you know, it just, it just didn't work out. Like I, I couldn't bring myself to do that. I got okay. Now this is this isn't the the, the Sean Morton uh, interview. Let's get back to, to yeah. Sons of Silver. Um, okay, so when you guys are doing like your live shows, right, um, and you're doing the headlining gigs, do you have enough material to fill a headlining gig, or do you throw in some songs from uh, previous bands? Um, I mean, yeah, we have we have enough material. I think we we, can, sure. we certainly can do now. <laughs> we do yeah, now. Yeah. I mean, we could we could easily. We were talking about the other day because a couple of folks were asking about that. We could we could go out and play a really strong hour and fifteen hour and a half ninety seventy five to ninety minute set, really strong all the way through. So if the caliber of songs that you're getting on Doomsday Noises, that and then some all for ninety minutes, probably now. We have a you lot guys writing a lot now during the quarantine. Been writing a lot. Yeah, we've been writing a lot. We we also had a lot stockpiled from from uh, the recording sessions that that uh, were Doomsday Noises. How many did you actually record for that EP? Uh, about a dozen songs, and we had a few more left over from that. So, and, and we didn't even we we actually did not use the, all the best songs for Doomsday Noises. It was kind of the ones that fit together. So why put out an EP instead of a full length? Because it's uh, it's as we've been as we've been told, and I think even from personal experience for ourselves these days, it's it's a little tougher for people to digest long long plays now. So you know you can't try to keep it to twenty thirty minutes max, um, okay. and, uh, and and ease them into especially for new acts. Plus, as far as releases go, you don't disappear for a year or two before the next thing comes out. It's way better, I think, to put out you know two or three EPs a year rather than one album every two years. Man, that, that is how the music business has really changed. If you remember, like from like in the seventies, Aerosmith would put out two albums a year. Kiss would put out two albums a year, and then somewhere along the line, it changed. And then like now, you're getting four or five years between albums, and you know, I guess some of that has to do with touring. But um, I mean, the music industry really super has changed. Uh, I mean, even as far as like how you guys make money, like you don't really make money anymore on the albums, right? Isn't it on touring and the merch? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, and in the if you start getting to the, you know, few hundred million streams, you start making some money. 
but but uh and that depends on what platform is youtube you make very little money um that's that's a whole other very contentious issue you can you can make some money on on apple you can make some money on spotify but for rock bands in particular yeah it's touring merch and and sync but a lot of the sync money are for older acts and and uh and when i mean older i mean like from the 80s and before yeah, because remember what it used to be was like you'd put out an album, you tour, and you're touring to support the album because people would buy the album, and then you get a percentage of whatever that album uh, uh, grossed, right? Or whatever right. deal you worked out with with the label. Um, but speaking of labels, what label are you guys on now? We're distributed by Universal. Okay, so you, so you, so you have you have good support behind you. Yeah, yeah, we have we have as, as good as you can get. Uh, that is good. Um, when it comes to songwriting with you guys, um, is everybody contribute to the band or who, I mean, is it Peter and Brenner that are the principal songwriters who are, who are writing these songs? Well, you guys, when do you guys take that? <clears throat> well, like, like Pete said in the beginning, I think they were Pete's songs and we were backing him up. But as it progressed, I, I would say we're all writing now. Just get in a room and jam. And, uh, that's pretty much how we write now. And yeah. he still brings in stuff. It's not like he doesn't, yeah. you know. But. I saw, no, you know, we, yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll come on. He's being humble. I think. <laughs> reality, um, oh, sorry, go ahead. I, it really is more just uh, inspiration. I think every, I mean, people might have an idea or something they've been holding on to that they just want to bring to the group and um, see what the group will do with it. But uh, generally, it's just the guys get in there and, um, someone starts playing something and inspires another person. And so it's pretty equal. Everyone just uh, trusting each other and inspiring each other. If I may, if, if I may, we're, we're, we're pretty self, we're not pretty self-contained. We're 100% self-contained. So we have our own recording studio. We're fortunate that we have a really nice uh, recording studio and uh, where we can do everything. We can do everything live. Brina is our engineer. Uh, and, and even though she plays keys, in the band and sings her, her principal duty when we're in the studio is as the engineer. So the general setup is she's in the, in the control room, getting everything together. Sound wise, myself, Kevin, Adam and Dave are all out in the tracking room doing our thing. And, you know, as time has gone on, especially in the last year or so here, we generally will go into the studio for a writing session with nothing, zero ideas. Perhaps I'll have a, a bit of a riff, perhaps, Kevin will have something. We go in with nothing and we just start messing around. I'll noodle on something. Kevin will, Adam will, Dave will. And uh, as Adam has said, you know, in the past, best, we were all very reactive. So we start playing off each other. One guy starts doing something. The other guy feeds off of that. Brina chimes in on talk back and says, ooh, that's kind of cool, guys. And it starts going around. In the meantime, all this is being recorded. And somewhere along the way, we'll start playing something where we all start synergizing and we run with it and it, it picks up and within like five, 10, 15 minutes, we have semblance of something pretty solid. If we're really into it, we'll, we'll take it further that day. If not, we may tangent off into a couple other things and then go back and review and come back in a day or two later, fine tune and go from there. But for the most part, I'd say about 80% of the time it, we have nothing. And it's, it makes it really fun because you don't know what you're going to, you're going to get. And it also makes it interesting because everyone's really contributing what they feel 
So even when we have to go back and learn stuff, it's not like someone's going, what, what did that person tell me to play? It's not, no, this is what naturally came out of me with reacting to what Dave played or what Kevin played or so on. We still have to go back and figure out what the hell we did play in the first place. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I can never remember those things. (laughs) You know, muscle memory comes back. Yeah. Yeah. Luckily it's all being recorded. Brina does a great job making sure that we get caught and almost all of the songs we've written in the last year or two, they've all started from us waiting to refine another song. And when we're getting ready to go and lay down a, a take and refine that one, somebody starts noodling with something. And before you know it, we've got, you know, 10 minutes of this meandering jam where we have something really great in it that we kept playing it for 10 minutes because we liked it. And then we'll come back a few days later and refine that and people will start work on vocal ideas, melodies. But while we're trying to get that one, we'll probably write two or three other songs while we're sitting around noodling. It just seems to be our flow. And do you all contribute lyric-wise as well? No. no it's be, these guys are lazy yeah. bastards. Yeah, we, we leave him on his own little <laughs> island out there. It's all up to him. Yeah. Because he's got to sing what he believes. They'll stack me up with, you know, five, six, seven songs or whatever, and then I'll be like, I'll see you guys in a month. But I would say that the reality is most of the songs, I'd say almost all the time, the key lyrics come while we're, while we're tracking, uh, while we're coming up with is you know like outbreak. You're sitting there, you're sitting there jamming. You're you know, you're coming you come up with with ideas. You look for the song, and then all of a sudden, does does the words just pop into like how do you how's that inspiration? Just the words come in, you start humming, singing it, and then you just start like singing over the, the yeah. Track oh yeah, I'm singing while it's going on. We're because we're all obviously it's a it's a you know vocal based band, so everyone needs to hear what's going on. Dave Dave is you know. Uh, you, you think he's drummer? What is he really listen to that? But I mean, I've never met a drummer, um, and don't let this go to your head, Dave. But um, I've never met a drummer who keys in so much to the to the vocal and the melody. And he would be asking, he, he will pause and be like, "Hey, what was that? What was that lyric you said?" Or like we were working, we were reviewing a song last night, uh, a, a song that's not out yet, a song called "With You I Belong." And and for instance, when we were doing that and we we're kind of wrapping it up, there was a lyric that I was singing. And Dave was like, hey, make sure to make that in the final lyrics and a few other comments with that. And so so he's feeding off that, too. We're all feeding off that. And and, the, and the, not just the, the the melodies, but also, again, the, the lyrics themselves. What's what's the tenor of the of the, the, the lyrics in general? Where, where are we going with it? A lot of songs lately have tended to be very social political and a lot more on the way with that. But but that definitely is part of the vibe. Yeah. And that's why I'm at the same time. Yeah, that's a very democratic way of actually doing things. I mean, because it, like, yeah, because it's like in, in other bands, uh, you hear is like there'll be one, two principal songwriters, and that's it, and everyone else kind of like follows too much suit. work. <laughs> it's not as fun, it's not, it's not fun. That's fun. Yeah, I was the laziest, want, I was the laziest songwriter you'd ever seen in your life because when I had my band, my band would just write the, the music and I'd have like a, like an old need 400 page notebook that would have lyrics completely written out from like verse, chorus, bridge, everything. And I would listen to the song and be like, hold on. And I'd flip through. And I'm like, I think that one will work. And I would just sing over it. And that's, tell that it that's called preparation. That's I still, yeah. I probably still have about 50 in the, in the, in the can that I really haven't uh, worked on yet, but it's, it is very cool to have a band working together because I mean, even just in other bands that I, I know personally, it's strictly like the guitar player and the singer who are writing everything. 
Yeah. And I don't think it's fair to the rest of the band personally. It depends. I mean, I think we're lucky that we, we work the way we do. It makes it fun. But you're right. I think the majority of stuff is exactly what you described. You know, one or two guys that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we're all of the, the mindset anyway that, you know, there, there's five of us in here and um, we all have great ideas and great workflow and great respect whoa, for each other. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're going a little too far <laughs> with all of us. You know, there are uh, a couple. Yeah. Okay, some of yous. But, uh, <laughs> it, but it's fun because it's, you know, if you throw out an idea and half the time, whoever's got the original idea, half the time isn't even really thinking anything of it. But someone else will go, oh, keep doing that. That's really cool. And throws something completely different on it that, that shapes it in a new way. And then everyone comes in with their own little piece. Like, you know, we get excited. I mean, when we, we get a song that's done where we're all doing something very independent and unique, but it, but it all is part of the same musical vision. So how it all fits together. I mean, we're not, not a band that sounds like this, but in the, kind of the way the Stones did stuff. You know, you look at their individual parts they could be kind of beautiful messes on their own, but when they all come together, there's, you know, the song works in a way. So that's what we kind of um, hope to achieve. You know, that's kind of our goal with this, I think. Interesting yeah. stuff. Um, also, Peter and, and Brittany, you guys are married, right? Yeah. We are. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you, you yeah. are. Uh, <laughs> how does that work out? Like, Sean, do you think you could work with, with, uh, with Jay? Like, take no. a <laughs> <laughs> no. yeah, that's that is gotta be tough though you gotta think about it because like first of all first of all you're in a band together right number one well first of all you're married let's get that out of the way first you're married then you're in a band together hey. now you're stuck in quarantine like that right. that is a triple whammy <laughs> how long are you guys married for can you guys hand me the bottle of vodka there please <laughs> <laughs> Are you married a long time? Um, we've known 45 it. years. How long? <laughs> no, no. no. Uh, we've been married a little over two years, but no, we've been together. Uh, Rookies. Rookies, Sean. <laughs> yeah. I, but I, you know, I think we're, no, just, we just have be different honest, Brina. Be honest. <laughs> we have, Don't I mean, be too honest. We have different, very different roles, you know? So I think that helps us stay out of each other's way a yeah. lot. And, um, and, and I think too, we have a lot of respect and um, high regard for what each person does. So even if we don't agree, it allows space to, to listen, you know, instead of not paying attention to what they're doing, even if we have different opinions about how to do something. Um, yeah. I mean, we're both very, independent strong personalities so we will butt heads too but i think uh just by mutually respecting each other we'll quiet down and and just kind of listen to like See, a different perspective that's not the good answer that's <laughs> not the answer they were looking for we go at it like cats and dogs there we go <laughs> baseball bats the, the flamethrowers the only thing that keeps us in place are these three guys who just sometimes will come there with you know with guns and like you guys, you know, no. I will say there's uh, definitely been uh, times where it's really nice that there's uh, a lot of different energies in the band. Like sure. Kevin is is so good 
at um, just having like the perfect thing to say and just to like, you know, make everyone take a step back and, and think, you know, like. He's I like mean, the everyone- shaman of the band. He's just sitting there, <laughs> yeah. chill, laid back. <laughs> Got the incense burning in the background. Yeah. yeah. No joke. And then, you know, Adam and Peter have known each other for so long that, you know, Adam can, you know, help Pete put tell Peter or me for that matter, like how it is. And then Dave has his Zen way of, of saying things. So I think it's also the chemistry. Everyone sort of balances each other out. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. Yeah, And and to add to that, I think all of us can say whatever is on our minds because we all know each other and we all, even though we might say something that, that might rub somebody the wrong way, we all know where it's coming from and we all know that each other is going to try and take it in the best way you know what I mean like nobody feels there's any sort of animosity or anger coming with things it's more just you know you throwing out an idea and it's it's a kind of a thing of you have that comfort level that you can say something to the in that group and you know it's going to be taken the right way you you don't have any fear of having to like oh man I really don't want to bring this up because because everyone listens to each other you know and we all give positive feedback and uh, so it's a very, it, it, it's an amazing chemistry because if any one of us wasn't able to do that, if we, if you had somebody that came in and started insulting people or, you know what I mean? It would just fall apart. Or if someone says, you throw out a musical idea and someone's like, oh man, that's crap. I don't even, like we don't do that. So everyone is, feels safe to do whatever here. Yeah. yeah. That, that, that's such an important thing that what you just said about the creative process, being able to, to take liberties, to try, to try different things. Um, I worked on this film with, um, uh, Sean, I never spoke about this on the show before. I, sp- I was in this film called the, uh, the Irishman. Okay. Oh, oh, directed oh, by Martin Scorsese. That's and a great movie. Great. yeah. Great. And the, th- the thing that made Scorsese just so, so great to work with is like, no matter what, you brought no matter what choice you made he made you feel like you made the right choice you know right. and so so you can you can try different things and i guess, I guess that's kind of like you were just saying adam you know it, you, you open up and you never know what's going to come out of it when you take chances as opposed to being a little tight and not taking chances 100 yeah, percent. And, and at the end of the day the either the song works or it doesn't there it, it's kind of like it, not really to make it this simple, but kind of like there almost are no bad ideas. It's it's more in the execution. Sure. And if you all come together and you, and you put all the pieces together and you make a good soup, well, then it's time to eat. Yeah, and that comes with com- that goes with comedy too. I mean, we we write constantly, and there's some I have jokes that I thought are the greatest thing. It's the funniest thing. It's the edgiest thing, and I will go out yeah, there man. at a minimum seven times and try and do that joke. And if I get nothing seven times and I throw it away. But it's hard because like, and you guys know when you, you're working on a project, you're working on a song and you're really just putting your heart and soul into it and something's just not clicking. Yeah, It's hard to walk away from that because again, you also have that creative ego where you want it to be the next big song too. But it's, sometimes it's you just got to walk away and say, all right, on to the next thing. I don't think you throw it away. I think you hold on to it because maybe you're just yeah. not ready to do it just now. Yeah, it may not be appropriate for that moment. You, you may right. need perspective. You, you, could, you may use a piece of it elsewhere. I mean, the other one thing about that's good about working, you know, in a team that that you you that, that works well together that you enjoy working with is that you don't get bogged down as much because it's a, it's a little easier. Uh, you, you just you the sense around you is you can feel when the momentum 
starts leaving the room, you feel that quicker when it's just, you know, you on your own. Uh, so, so no one wants to be in a room where momentum is, is going down. You, you, you'd make a change. You, you just do anything different to go in a different direction. So, so that's helpful. Um, likewise, frankly, for us, we probably spend more time talking than actually making music because we, we do enjoy each other. And I mean that genuinely. Um, if anyone disagrees with that, you know, we'll talk about that off camera. But, <laughs> but that said, uh, we, we, we do enjoy it. And so that breaks the ice sometimes. You know, sometimes when you're sitting there by yourself, you can, you know, be a guitar in hand in front of a piano, just pen and paper, whatever it might be, you know, thumbs and phone. You'll sit there and you can overwork and go too far at that moment and not give yourself a break. But when there's others around, you may poke a joke, talk about politics, sports, whatever it might be, crazy wives. I'm not sure. um, and and that, that gets you out of your head, even for a minute. And that minute either allows you to reset on the thing you're working on or reset in the greater thing. Go, you know what? Let's just let's go somewhere else. Perhaps Kevin starts noodling in the meantime on some other guitar part and we, and we all go oh that's that's better than what we've been working on boom let's go over there that's kind of how we work yeah and the other thing both with music i think and and also with comedy and I, I think any sort of creative endeavor is if you can create enough volume of good stuff that you like then you don't get precious with that thing you don't need to force yeah. that one joke or that one song oh we're going to make this thing be great no you can let go of it because you got five others that you need to spend time on it's very yeah. true that's right um Quick question for Dave. Dave. Uh, yeah. Background, uh, Dave. I had to yeah. move. My dog going off. <laughs> no, no worries. Well, um, Dave, can you shut up, please, and let somebody got, else talk for the rest of the episode? Yeah. I, yeah, I feel, feel bad. Dave hasn't oh. said anything. But we were, oh, oh, look at that. That's the funniest looking dog I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Oh. The cats are outside right now. Yeah, what's up, buddy? <laughs> so cute. <laughs> All right. Oh, I'm sorry. What's the question? I was just saying, you just became my wife's favorite artist. My wife's a veterinarian. Oh, so wow. she's right and <laughs> so she she's gonna love that. Um, cool. but I want you know, does Dave does Dave have, like walk around with you know, he's in the rock and roll hall of fame, okay? Uh does he walk around like like a little bit of attitude, like, you know, hey man, he's he's a big shot on uh, in the band, yeah. you know, rock and roll hall Maybe of fame. Not, not at all. Oh. Yeah. No, we tried that would last very long. It wouldn't last very long. Please, real quick. What do you guys think about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? What? As an institution? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's great. I think it, I can't believe it. They waited as long as they did to have one. What do you find it? Do you find it weird, though, that they have artists like Run DMC and. Madonna, who are basically rap and pop artists, and if you have straight rock and roll bands like Motorhead and Judas Priest and Iron Maiden that have still not Iron Maiden. Well, I mean, I just I remember growing up with all that stuff. So to me, it's just like it's called the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but really, it's like I mean, that's I don't know. I kind of like since I did grow up with all of that, I kind of lump it all together. You know what I mean? Madonna, Run DMC, all that. It's like to me, it's like genres I, I think it's a great title for what it is i think genres themselves though in music i never really understood them all that much but now it's like it's gotten so technical i don't even know you know i'm sure i don't know <laughs> my son would know but um i don't know it's just kind of like i i think 
I think it's awesome that they have it. And um, I think it's a great title for it. But And Madonna has some stuff that rocks. And definitely Run DMC, for sure. And and they did a thing with Aerosmith. You know, that was great. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was that really was, actually was, super was groundbreaking, I thought. Really cool. Oh, absolutely. Um, so what do you guys album. listen to? What, what kind of music do you guys all grow up on? All kinds of stuff, man. I mean, you we, what, that, that's, two, that's two questions. What do we listen to now? Let's start. Let's start off with what you what did you grow up listening to, and what are you listening to today? So, what did we grow up on first? Yeah. Come on, Dave or Dave. Dave. Yeah. Dave. Yeah, Dave. You've been quiet. Come on. We got you going. Uh, well, I mean, Kiss really changed my life. Made me want to play music, really. Um, but my, I had a brother who's 11. I have a brother who's 11 years older and he had eight track tapes in his car and I would sit in there and crank Zeppelin, Deep Purple, Aerosmith, the Guess Who, what else? Just like that kind of, you know, stuff like that. And, uh, all the classic rock. I, and then, uh, then I got into the police and then that really like totally changed my world. Is that what made you want to play music? Like, is that what made you like, like one, like, was it something that said, I got to become a musician? That's, that's the path I got to go down. I'm not taking a regular kiss. Yeah. You can't get any any bigger than kiss. Kiss him. Kiss is like the band with the the makeup. This is the gateway to rock and roll. Yep. (laughs) The gateway band. I like that. Oh, it's amazing. It, it was. I mean, so I remember good. like seeing the album cover of Dress to Kill. And right? And that was it, man. It's like, yeah, I didn't care what they sounded like. If they were halfway yeah. decent, I, you know, I wanted to be in Kiss in, in the worst way. And then they come out with everything else. And and for me, I think Alive too was probably my favorite uh Kiss album, you know. But it's yeah, definitely Kiss. How about you, Adam? What'd you listen to? Uh- well, you know, for, for origins and starting stuff, I mean, my earliest memories were listening to uh, the stuff my dad had. He had a great, great record collection. He had everything from rock to jazz to classics, uh, pretty much everything but country. He wasn't a country guy, you know, but um, I got hooked on the Beatles from my earliest memories. Like I was all about it. Um, and, you know, and then I got into stuff later on, you know, I stole all of his good stuff. I stole his Pink Floyd albums from him. I stole... Um, Alice Cooper's Welcome to My Nightmare out of his collection. Uh, he had a BTO record, which is the first song I learned to play on bass was Not Fragile. Oh, my God. That's a great, yeah. It, it, it's a slow riff, right? Yeah, yeah. So so that was the yeah. very first song I tried to learn on bass, you know. But, um, you know, as it went on, you know, I got into stuff. I was a huge Queen fan. I loved, you know, Rush as a bass player. How could you not, you know? Um, I mean, there's exactly. just so much stuff. I'm a huge, huge Zeppelin fan. I always thought, the more I learned about music that they made music the way I wanted to make music, which felt very much in, in there. It might've been totally different, but I kind of felt like they kind of did things somewhat the way we're doing it, which is a band together, jamming ideas and kicking ideas around and working on stuff. You know, it felt very organic, you know, how they worked, and you respected the musicianship of that. Um, I mean, but, but, you know, all over the map, I mean, I listened to all kinds of stuff, you know, when I, when I was in, high school, you know, learning to play. I, I started not late, but I, I started playing maybe like around, I want to say like 13, 14 years old. I really started to, I wanted to for years, but just never had it in. Every time I tried, I felt like, well, I suck at this. I'm never going to be any good. 
and got into it in school, but like I got into like the jazz band in school, you know, like things like that. So those things influenced me as well. But I mean, I think there's just so much great stuff out there that, you know, you just, you just absorb it all, especially at a young age like that, when everything's new and a discovery and it's like, you hear that new band, you're like, Oh my God, what is that? You know, as years go on and you know, enough bands and, you know, rock and roll itself has had such a long time. It, it, you find those bands that knock you over the head, like what the hell is this? Those come along fewer and fewer. Sure. You know what I mean? I, I think, but they still do. And there's still bands that come out like, like right now I'm a huge Tame Impala fan. Although I have to say, mm-hmm. I think that their formula is starting to happen. You know, I liked them in the beginning because it was so new and fresh, you know, but anything that, that inspires you, you know, or sometimes like, like, you know, the new ACDC song that's out now they're releasing. It's like, they've released that same record 20 some odd times and it's awesome, you know, and you hear that and it sounds like ACDC and immediately you're into that, you know? So Adam, you you liked uh, Zeppelin. What do you think about, I asked this to everybody too. What do you think about Greta Van Fleet? You know, I, I, I dig it. Um, you know, my, my opinion kind of is and still is, I, I want to see if they can evolve to something more of their own. Exactly. You know, and, um, you, you know, their young guys are finding their way. But I, I, I think it's cool that somebody's running that sound. Like, no, there aren't that many bands doing that kind of thing. And they seem to be doing a good job at it. And it's just, you know, for them, I, I would hope that they would find something that separates them a little more from the Zeppelin. But, you know, the Zeppelin's not a bad thing. When you say finding that way, it brings me, it makes me think, do you guys remember a band called Silverchair? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's who they kind of, that's what it reminds me of. Young guys, you know, you can see the talent there and you just want to see how they're going to evolve. I want to see them one or two records down the road. How about right. the rest of the band? What does the rest of you guys uh, listen to? Oh, by, by the way, we did interrupt you. We just got a text from from Dave. His phone died. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now let's talk talking shit about Dave. What, what's really <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, hey, we we can talk about Dave all day. We love that cat. Oh, yeah. Dave, uh, he seems like a good dude. He is the best. I'm sorry, Kevin. Were you starting to chime in? Oh yeah, I was just gonna say it's it's pretty much the same as Adam. My dad had a huge record collection early on, and most of my earliest memories were him getting home from work, shutting off all the lights in the house, and playing Dark Side of the Moon. We'd play on the floor in the dark and drive out on this record. Um, Kevin, where are you from originally? I grew up all over the place. My my family's roots are Colorado, Utah, and stuff. But my dad was in construction, so we moved every couple of years. Oh, okay. Is uh, New York, Philly. I graduated high school in D.C. Was in Texas for a while. Kind of all over the place. Because sometimes I'm thinking, like, where you live kind of influences um, what you're listening to at the time. It, it definitely did. Yeah. I mean, when I, I think when I moved to Texas, I got way into all the heavier stuff. You know, like Pantera. Who's Easy Top. Yeah. Top. Top. Totally. Nice shirt. Thank you. Yeah, I kind of uh, went through all that, like. The Van Halen obsession, Dream Theater, like got really shreddy for a while and like chasing that stuff. And then I think bands like The Verb and Radiohead and stuff like that later on pushed me towards back toward Pink Floyd ambient stuff. What what guitar plays influenced you? Um, I mean a lot. I think my my top few, I'm a huge Page fan, I'm a huge Mike Campbell fan, um, from the Heartbreakers. 
Yeah. Um, Nick McCabe from The Verb is one of my favorites for just soundscapey ambient stuff. The guys in Radiohead are, are obviously amazing for that. Edge. There's Gilmore in you. Big Gilmore fan, definitely. Look, I I can go on forever about Gilmore. I, I think the guitar lead in High Hopes is one of my favorite all-time guitar leads. All right, guys, Dave's back. Hold on. Hey. He should be back. Yeah, he's got hey. And he's gone. As soon as you, you like had that. to say something, Sean. Yeah, <laughs> what we should do the second he comes back, we should end this. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we'll play a joke on Dave. We'll yeah, he'd, he'd be like a like in Spinal uh, Tap when he comes out of the cocoon and the song's over. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I think then he puts his hand up. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. So Peter. now, did you guys have a tour booked uh, before the pandemic? Yeah, there you go. We we had a bunch of dates penciled in, yeah, but it it, it happened. Everything happened. Uh, you, 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 we all kind of saw it coming in February, so everything nothing was fully materialized because the EP wasn't going to come out until April or May anyway, and we were going to start touring in the summer, so nothing really got set in stone. What's the uh, timeline for the next EP? Uh, first quarter of next year. Next year, Rob. Probably March could be late February. It depends. Maybe a single in in February and and the EP in March. Um, but for, to be honest with you, we're getting a lot of run out of this one. So I think we're almost certainly going to get. I would say it's one hundred percent. We're going to get another single out of this EP, and who knows from there. For instance, uh, the song Outbreak, which will not be the next single, but we almost didn't release that on this EP because of the nature of the lyrics. Uh, you know, when we were in our profit mode, um, but. <laughs> But uh, now doing interviews, talking to radio folks and everyone, everyone's like, man, that, that's got to be a single. So that may end up being a single. We may get, we may get four songs out of the CP. And you know, on that note, one, one thing that, speaking for myself but I, primarily, but I, I think I speak on, on, on all our behalves for this, is, is that one, one issue I do have with the way music is released these days is that there's always this push for more, 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 and more being more content. New song every week. You see all these artists are, I, I want to try it for a year. I'm going to release a new song every every week uh, or every month, every two weeks, whatever it might be. And and, for, and what what I see really happening when that occurs is, is, is feeding the beast, the beast being these tech companies. And, and it, it serves them well, but it doesn't really serve the artists well to work at that pace. And I don't think it serves the audience well because folks don't get a time, don't get time to digest what you have. And, and, and you don't get time then to, to actually get it out to enough people before you've, you've you know, they, before they've had time to hear, before they've, you've had time to release whatever your latest song is, boom, you're throwing something new at them. It's like, imagine you sit down to have a meal and you go to take a bite, and before you take a bite, the, the waiter's pulled the, pulled the plate away and put something new. And so you go for a new plate, and next thing you know, the next plate has come. You don't even get a chance to have a bite, and if you do, you don't get a chance to savor it and maybe take it again and get some more of it. So we, we're going to stretch this out a little bit. That's a great analogy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, people, you put out a song a week, a song every two weeks, people are going to get sick of it. You're right. They're not going to hear enough and you're not going to put out uh, your best either. Um, when it comes to putting out a single, are you guys making the decision solely or is the A&R guy at the uh, label making that decision? It's, 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 it's mutual. It's mutual. But they're, the, 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 the folks at radio, the radio team, they're kind of leading the way. 
you know, we, we, we say, we give them suggestions, but they come back and say, look, we're thinking between one of these two and, and here's why, and then we'll discuss it and work on it from there. And off of Doomsday, the, was the first single, uh, read them? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was the first thing. And you all kind of like agreed on that. Yeah, it was, a, it was a, it was a toss up till, till the last second with, with, uh, Rude Awakenings actually. Ah. And, it's my favorite personally. Yeah, that, that's actually, if I may say, that's my favorite. Nice. And, and Rude Awakenings was probably, was, was planned to be the second single, uh, but we switched to Deep Division because one, we were getting such strong feedback on that song, and two, the nature of the lyrics, it's the one song on the, on the EP that's a little more kumbaya-ish, and with, with everything that's going on right now, we thought, you know... Uh, it may be nice to have something that's a little softer, whereas Rude Awakenings a little heavier handed, but we have time for Rude Awakenings. This isn't going away any, any tune. I love the fact that, um, you know, and just in closing with us is, you know, we've had some musical guests on here. Uh, we try and get comics on here, you know, every now and then, but a lot of the musical guests that we've had so far, I've known uh, either personally or, you know, we've had people from Anthrax and Volbeat and, you know, fly heavier bands and stuff. And I truly didn't hear any of your music beforehand. So I, I literally went down like a nine hour wormhole of oh. listening to this album over and over and over again. And one of my favorite things in the world is when I go out to LA I get a Mustang convertible, I drop the top, I go on the PCH, and I blast something that's really rocking. And that's what I saw in this album. Oh, thank oh, you. Thank you so much. That, that means a lot. That's yeah. It's so for me, it's, you know, I've, I've already turned on, you know, some of my friends on radio up here who, uh, who have heard it. And they were like, dude, these guys are going to be really great. So I, I personally, I wish you guys... Uh, ridiculous amount of success and I want you guys to uh, definitely find us when you come over to the East Coast. We won't take you find us. Uh, You know, we got some great places. We'll hook you up with shows at over here. And uh, Jeff, you got anything in closing? Yeah, we have, yeah, we have, we have a friend in, in, uh, he's a DJ on one of the biggest radio shows out here. He was a guest on the show, Scott. Yeah. 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 Plus we have guys who are stage managers at the biggest rock venue in New Jersey too. So yeah, we can lead you guys in their direction. We are more than happy to do it. And we'll, yeah. and we'll put out the word and we'll support you guys in any way we can. You guys were really great. We appreciate your time so much. No, thank you guys. Uh, really enjoyable review, you know, in spite of yourselves, in spite of ourselves, but uh, no, seriously, thank you so much. And, 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 and Sean, your words were very kind there. We, we, Look, he don't mean a word of it, by the way. <laughs> so full of shit. I, I know, but I sent him a hundred bucks the other day. <laughs> he's he's a, he's a good actor too. He should have been in the Irishman. I wasn't in the Irishman, and by the way, just so you guys know, this is like episode thirty-five or something like that. This fucking asshole has mentioned being in the Irishman in thirty-four of them. <laughs> hey, did you, did you meet Irishman? What's that? Buddy of mine is in that movie. Gino DiCafano. Did you meet him? What scene was he in? The wedding scene. Oh no! They, they, no, I was in. Uh, I, no, I, he was in the scene with Al Pacino. Just so you guys yeah. know, one, in case you guys didn't want to bring I'm it up. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm ignorant. I, Tell me which because I've seen the movie. I look, I look completely different in it. You know, my hair is short. I, I look very. Uh, you, <laughs> Sean likes this part because there's a scene where 
<laughs> where Pacino sits there and starts yelling at, and he's like, I'm looking at a room full of fucking idiots, and I'm the main guy. I'm the fucking idiot he's yelling at. <laughs> so were you playing yourself? <laughs> Thank you. Take everything away that we said, okay? <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, thank you so much for being on the show, and we will push this out. Uh, where can guys uh, find you on social media? Google Sons of I'm sorry, search Sons of Silver. Okay. It'll all pop up. And we'll post, this, uh, we'll post this interview onto your social media pages as well, too. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Either through, either through our, our uh, PR uh, lady, uh, Dana, or, or just email us directly. Please send us uh, your contact info so we can keep in touch with you. And likewise, we'd like to send you, send you and your friends some uh, Sons of Silver swag. So, oh man, if you, you can email, email us at, at, at uh, info at sonsofsilver.com, please. We'd Sounds good. It. It's been a really fun time with you guys. Awesome. We, we appreciate your time. Again. And also, please let us know when you blast it out so we can blast out and run some promos on our socials. This should Sounds be out great. tomorrow. Usually, oh, we really? have about the 24 hours. We usually have it up the okay. next day. So, once our producer gets on his ass and he'll edit it and make it look nice, and he'll actually dub in some words for Dave to say, because, you know, he didn't say anything the whole show. So, you can do those, those, those cartoon bubbles over there. Yeah, we'll do that. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank week, you so man, much. We have, a, we have a big show next week, Sean. What's that? Next week, we have a big show. Are you guys into Cobra Kai? Oh, yeah. Guys, have been yeah. talking about it nonstop. I'm like halfway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've, right. I've seen all of it. It's great. Uh, same here, man. We well, we, we got Cobra Kai coming up uh, next week. We got no. we, it's third season. We got uh, Sean Conan, who, who was the bad boy of, of karate and Karate Kid 3, and he's in the upcoming season. Yeah, I mean, I, I caught that when it when it first came out. It was uh, like two years ago, I think. It was on uh, YouTube. It was an yeah, right. And uh, I watched that first season and loved it. And then I kind of forgot about it because it hadn't come out. And then all of a sudden it pops on Netflix and it's like the hottest show around. But. Yeah, I illegally downloaded the second season. And by, by mistake, it was miscoded. So I watched the last episode first. Oh, nice. And it made no sense to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How they get you. Oh, yeah. All well, right, guys, fellas, thank you so much. Ladies, thank you so much. Uh, Jeff, thank Best you of luck, everybody. Thank you, guys. See you, we'll guys see you soon, everybody. Take care.